Let's hear God's heartbeat for what it looks like to raise up our children in a way that they impact the next generation, that impacts the next generation in in a way that Philly won't be the same in 50 years, 100 years. Because we've trusted God, we've been faithful to the things he's given us, and by his grace, he's he's worked in power among us. And so that's where we're going tonight. Uh, We're in Deuteronomy 6, and verses 4 through 9 is where we'll start out. And so I'll read God's word tonight. Father, we do pray, come Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word, show us your heart for what it looks like to love, to raise up our kids in the ways of Jesus, and to live out these things in a way that brings you much glory in our city much joy and hope too. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's God's word in Deuteronomy 6. This is Moses writing and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I I think the way the Lord's kind of been helping me make sense of this passage coming together is uh, four words I want you to kind of remember, but I'm going to tie them to what Monica was sharing earlier. Four T's for you. Here's what we're seeing in, in the scripture. If we want to raise kids... To learn about Christ, to love Christ with their whole heart, and to live these things out in the everyday things of life. What we're going to see is that we need to be parents who treasure Christ. We need to be parents who teach his word and his gospel to them, who talk about him in the everyday things of life, and who share testimony over and over again to God's faithfulness. So those are the four kind of ways we're going to see this text flesh it out. Treasuring, teaching, talking, and giving testimony to his grace over and over again. And so you see the first one really clearly. The, the, the first thing, if we're going to like lead our children to love God, to know God, to enjoy God, it has to start with us. And that's exactly where Moses takes us. He says, here, before I tell you how we're to pass these things on to the next generation, here's what we have to remember that we can't take our kids somewhere that we haven't gone ourselves. That we can't ignite a fire in them that is not ignited in our own heart. And so that's what you see in the beginning. It says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he tells us, before he tells us what to do, he reminds us, he says, that we, we shall love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and all of our might. And he, th- he says, these things should be on our heart. This is the place in which discipling our children flows out of. And so in this first part, I want to encourage you that as parents, if we're going to teach our kids to learn, to love, and to live for Jesus, we must treasure God above all else. But I love the way Moses does it. He doesn't just give you like, you need to love God. He actually gives you some handlebars for that. He says, look, you you must love God with all of your heart. What what is our heart? In the the West, we generally think the heart is just our emotions or our, our affections. But in the Hebrew, the heart is much deeper than that. It is that which guides all of life. Tim Keller describes the heart as, uh, as the, the control center of the whole life. It's the core of us from which all other actions flow. We love God from the very core of our being because he has loved us and made himself known to us in Jesus. It creates a love in the very core of who we are in our heart 
in a way that shapes our affections for our children and for everything else in life. So that's the first thing. He says we got to, in the center, in the core, we love God from the inside and it comes out. The heart is where we start. And then secondly, he says we got to love God with our whole soul. What's the difference between the heart and the soul? And here's, here's the difference. The heart is the core of who we are, but the soul begins to move outwards. The soul has to do with everything we are, not just our heart, the control center of our, of our life, but it has to do with also our minds, with our bodies. So, so the Lord wants us to love him, not just with our affections, not just with the core of who we are, but with everything, the way we think, the way we take care of our bodies and get rest and sleep, the way we eat, all these things shape our love for God. He's not just concerned with our soul. He's concerned with the whole person. And so that, that is what he's alluding to there. And then lastly, you might say, what does he mean? Your strength. It's this idea that God is saying, I want you to love me with all who you are and everything that you have. Our strength is all that's connected with us. He's saying, if we're going to raise up the next generation to know and love God with their whole heart, we must be a people who know God and love him with our whole heart, with everything we are and everything we have. That's what the strength is getting at. Everything we have, our finances, our belongings, our possessions, our home, our time, our relationships, and all these things, it should be crystal clear to our kids who we love the most and how that's shaping our time, our treasures, our talents, all these different things. In essence, if this is you and this is your child, the hope is to see their heart catch on fire for Jesus. There's a couple ways you could start a fire. I hear, though I've never been successful, that if you regular, we might need Hercules to help us out on this one. Maybe we'll get him going. I hear if you rub it hard enough, long enough, you can get it going, right? I mean, that's what they said. I don't know anybody who's pulled it off. Maybe Clint, Clint, have you done it? Have you started a fire? It just, it generally is an epic fail. The amount of work it takes to try to get a spark and a flame is extraordinary, which I don't even know anybody who's done it. But there's another way that that we're called to in this text. What he's saying is there's another way that your kids' hearts will catch on fire for Jesus. And it's this. That we as parents must draw up near the Lord. And he'll catch our heart on fire. When he catches our heart on fire, we give an invitation to our children. Come and come and learn of who our Savior is who loves you. Come and listen to what he's done for you. And as we do, our hope is that as we draw near to them and we draw them near to Jesus, we'll see them catch on fire. And so that, that's a picture of what we're being called to, to see the next generation catch on fire for Jesus. But it's not going to happen unless we, we catch on fire for Jesus. And so the greatest gift you could give your kids is a vibrant, all of life love for Jesus. That they know in their heart, I see mom and dad. Listen, this is the thing. You can fool me. You can fool other friends in the room with what you love the most. But nobody's fooling their children. Why? They see you too much. They see you in your best. They see you when you're tired. They see you throughout the night. If you're like my kids, they wake me up all throughout the night. They see us through and through. And so, if we want to see our kids come to know Jesus, what we're told first off is, it starts with us. And so I think that's where our discipleship starts. We can't take our children somewhere that we ourselves are not at. And they know, are we abiding in Jesus, loving Jesus? 
And the second thing I think you see in this text, I love this. He's, he moves on from there. When your heart is on fire for Jesus, when you're loving God with all you have and all you are, he says, in light of that, he says, that's when we begin to teach our children about our Savior. And that's what he goes on. And he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. All these things, the gospel truths, the word of God, teach them diligently to your children. He says, you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Two different observations about that. So the second thing I want us to see here is that we're to teach our children diligently. Two observation. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a question of will we be obedient to Christ's call to invest the gospel into the next generation? It is more than a suggestion. It's teach them. You shall teach them. And notice the way in which we teach them. It's not haphazardly. It's not occasionally. It's diligently. It's constantly, intentionally going back to Christ in all of life. So we're intentionally and diligently sharing of Jesus. And I love this. You might say, well, I'm not a teacher. We do have some teachers in this room, but you might be saying, that's not me. But here's the thing. I love how he breaks it down. The next thing he helps us understand, he said, it's not as much about getting them in a little classroom. All right, kids, sit down. You ever try to get your kids to sit down at a young age? It's just disastrous in general, right? But, But he tells you where the classroom is to raise your kids in the ways of Jesus. The classroom is life. We do our kids a disservice when we go to church, right? And we proclaim we love Jesus and we sing songs about him, but we never speak of him again throughout the week. We never show him how. He is our greatest love and affection. Our kids will see through that. They don't need to see perfect parents, but they do need to see parents who love Christ, who are working through these things, failing and sinning and repenting and pointing them back to Jesus. So we need to be intentionally talking of Jesus in, in the classroom of everyday life. And then he fleshes it out. He says, intentionally talking of them through, all throughout your day. And I love the way he says it. He says, when you sit in your house. We sit in our house all the time. So when we sit in our house, we need to be intentional. What do we, when do we sit? Well, we sit when we're resting. We sit when we're hanging out with friends. We sit when we're watching TV. You see what he's encapsulating? All the times you're sitting. These are opportunities to engage your kids. And then he goes on and keeps explaining it. He says, and when you're walking on your way, you might say, well, I don't do a lot of walking. I might live in the suburbs. Maybe I drive. Everybody walked back then. Maybe you rode on an animal occasionally. But he's basically saying as you're going on your way, you're taking the classroom of the world and you're engaging them on who God is and what he's trying to teach us through this world and all that he's given us. So there's an intentionality. And think about Jesus. That's like 90% of the way he raised disciples, wasn't it? It was on his way. It was while they were walking through the garden of Gethsemane and he's teaching them about the vine and the branches, probably because they're right in front of them. And so we're learning when we see some incredible birds flying by to stop and recognize, guys, did y'all see that? That's not only cool, that's also, that's also telling us about God's love for us. He created those birds. And you can explain how good God is through his creation, through what he's doing all around us. And as we do that consistently, our kids won't go, well, that was weird. No, Jesus is showing up in all of life. We just see him at work all over. And so that's what he said. And then he goes on to say, and you do that when you lie down and you do that when you rise up. You see, he's trying to encapsulate all things. One guy says, it looks like he's trying to encapsulate all of life. The only place he doesn't talk about is when you're swimming. <laughs> but, you know, but that's implied too. But, but he's just saying, in all your life, learn to talk of Jesus. You teach of him in the ordinary things of life. And when you do that, you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself. Oh, the one conversation about Jesus I could have is, no, if you didn't explain it very well, like, Give yourself grace, laugh a little, and, and the next time look for an opportunity to try to keep engaging them. It's not a one and done, one big event kind of thing. You see, I like the way one guy said it. He says, your faith is an everyday reality, 
everyday reality, it's not a weekend event. Your faith is an everyday reality, not a weekend event. And nothing will be more formative or destructive in our kid's life than to see either that not be the case or that be the case. We need to tear down that idea of there's the sacred and there's the secular. All of life is sacred. All of life is an opportunity to to tell our kids about Jesus and what he's doing in our world. And so we're growing in that together. And we'll confuse our kids. It's funny, the things they'll repeat sometimes. You're like, whoa, maybe I didn't explain that right. You know, they'll say something just like, that is some bad theology. But that's okay. Like, encourage them. Oh, that's awesome. You're thinking about that. That's so cool. Like, you keep on walking with them. Uh, And then the other thing I think that you're seeing in here is this call to not just say it with our words, but to model what it looks like to follow Jesus with our life. And And one of the biggest parts for Monica and me is this. You're not going to do it perfectly. You're going to fail. If you're not failing multiple times a week, you're probably just not trying or being honest. Like your kids don't need to see you having it all together. They need to see you pursuing Jesus, falling, sinning, but recognizing it, repenting, and then just saying, all right, daddy was wrong. I I didn't talk kindly to you. Would you forgive me? Or addressing if maybe I I talked to Monica, I'm addressing it. And then uh, seeing us all move forward together in faith in Jesus again. They, they don't need you to be perfect. They need to see Christ as perfect and that you as their mommy and daddy need Jesus too. Because that's what they need. They need Christ too every day. And then the last thing I think is really cool. It's in verses 20 through 25. And I'll just touch verse 20. It says, when your sons ask you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then he says, then you'll basically tell them of God's redemption. You'll tell them of God's grace in your life. And so if we're living as Christians, they're not just saying things with our mouth and then just living the rest of the week. But if we're actually loving Christ in all of life, with all that we have and all that we are, they're going to start asking questions. And so the last part, I think, of faithful discipleship in the home is to constantly be giving testimony to God's grace in our life over and over again. And so I think this is a wonderful passage, and uh, I, I think this is foundational for what it looks like to raise kids in the ways of Jesus.